All right. So here we go. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I'm not going to have you guys read it right now. I'm going to have us read it in just a minute. But before we do that, I'm going to ask a couple questions, okay? So I want to ask you guys, what do you do to get ready for school the night before, the morning before, just what's kind of like on the agenda, you know, Monday night before, the, or Sunday night before the new week begins, or, or on any night of school, before school, what's normal stuff that you do to get ready for school? Aaron? Got to get the lunch made, right? Yeah. All the homework that has not been done has to be done, right? You got to prepare. What else? Okay, so you got like you got prep work, you got to get your assignments all ready to go. Make sure I have clothes and socks. Make sure you got clean clothes. Well, you didn't say clean, I just was assuming, but <laughs> maybe you don't care. You're just like clothes, socks, whatever. <laughs> I'm just joking, at least. <laughs> clean clothes and socks, yes. Aaron? Got your backpack ready, right? What do you do right before you fall asleep usually? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> set the alarm? Does anyone set an alarm? No. Your parents are your alarm still. Okay. One last pass through the notes of memorizing things for the quiz or test the next day. Anybody have anything morning of that you do to get ready for school? <laughs> Got to eat, eat breakfast, get ready to go. Yeah? Yeah, make sure the stuff that was in the refrigerator gets into the lunch. Yeah? Is to what? Play with your cat. That's important, you know, because who's, who's going to do it if you don't do it, right? <laughs> yeah? Devotions, okay? So you have some sort of like spiritual preparation? Your family preparation. Yeah, family devotions. Awesome. Okay, so here's the next question. What did you do to get ready for church today? What did you do yesterday, last night? What did you do to get ready for church last night? Okay, so give me the stuff that you did to get ready for church last night. You slept. Okay. You slept. Excellent. That's good. That's good. Drew? Uh, you could. Did you? No, I went this morning. Okay, so hypothetical. Could take a shower. Or you could do it in the morning. <laughs> Clothing was somewhere in there. Yes? Uh, wake up this morning, eat breakfast, make sure I have clothes, clean clothes. The cl- this is a common theme here is the clothing. So, yes, definitely the clothes and the breakfast. Good. You prayed this morning? Okay. The list is a little bit shorter, isn't it, though, right? Yeah? Prayed at night. Prayed at night? Okay. Is there, um, do you think there's a reason why there's the, the list is a little bit shorter in how we prepare for church than how we prepare for school? There's reasons. What are they? Yeah? Uh, 
churches a little bit later. You got more time to get ready, so you don't have to do so much the night before to prepare. Yeah. Okay, so school, there's these things called grades. Okay, so you're being held accountable in some way for the, the work that you've done. Yeah? Don't have to bring your backpack to church, so don't have to worry about getting that ready. Don't have to worry about being late. You don't have to worry about being late because you can show up to church whenever you want, right? That's not what I meant. Oh, okay. Right, so we haven't given Ed Poole that, you know, power <laughs> to give tardies as you walk through the doors, right? Yeah. Okay, so homework for school... Bible, you're the church, you might just need to read your Bible. How many of you read your Bible specifically to prepare for this morning? Like you read something in the Bible this morning or last night so you would be ready for today? Got two hands of the over high school crowd. Okay. Right. So you, you threw that out there, but we didn't really do it because... There's no grade? I don't know why. I'm asking why. Why? What, what would you even read for today? Why would you read the Bible to get ready for church? Maybe you could have read Ecclesiastes. You could have read Proverbs. Okay. Does fear play a role in how we prepare differently for school and for church? Would you say fear plays a little? Okay, yes. yes. Why? Yeah, like what happens when you walk into school and you've done nothing? Your parents will find out eventually, right? Yeah, you pray. You end up praying a lot more. The less homework you do, the more you pray. There's a spiritual connection. So the grades, the accountability, the teachers, the glares, the, the, the way that your teacher responds to you when you do nothing, all of that kind of facilitates... A healthy, maybe, healthy sense of fear to be prepared and be ready. So the question is, why don't we have a healthy sense of fear, or do we, if we, when we walk into church? Do you think we should have a healthy sense of fear when we walk into church? What would that look like? Who would we fear? How does that work? What do you guys think? Yeah? Well, maybe not fear in the sense like you're scared of something, like you're scared of something going wrong like at school. Right, so a healthy fear of God, a healthy respect for who God is, might affect the way that we walk into church, or should affect the way we walk into church. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. Some of us would, maybe. Some of us aren't listening, that's okay. And if we're not listening, maybe it's because we don't have the healthy fear or respect for who's here, right? Who's, who's here at this church? Who's, who's here right now as we study the word and as we worship? God is here. Is he in your row?
But do we act like that? Do we really carry ourselves when we walk into church like that's true? Or do we just say it because we know like, oh, this is an easy one. God's the answer. God, God's the answer. Well, let's read our passage And I think things will start to come clear as to why we're going down this line of of questioning. Now this passage in chapter 5 specifically is talking about how people in the Old Testament were to, to come into God's house, namely the temple. But it applies directly to how we worship God in our churches. They would go to the temple to worship God. We come to our church to worship God. There's a lot of one to one correlations here. So let's read through it. It says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Well, let's study our passage. We're going to do it um, with this big question in mind. I think that the big question between, behind chapter 5, 1 through 7 is this. How do we keep from worshiping in a meaningless way. Notice in verse 7 it says, when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. And that word vanity is our word hevel, which is translated vanity, it's translated meaningless, it's translated as smoke and vapor and mist. How do we worship in a way, obviously this is all about worshiping God, so that our worship isn't like smoke or vapor or meaningless. And that's what I think what the author is getting at. So we're going to go through a couple of points and answer that question, okay? Well, let's start at the beginning. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps. So I think the first point is watch your step. Walk into church in the right way. Walk into church with reverence and fear like Alec just said. Now, when we were in Jerusalem, there were churches everywhere. Because what the church, what Christians, what we do when we have kind of famous Christian monuments is we build a church on it, okay? And at many of these churches, which were built typically by the Catholic Church or the Eastern Orthodox Church, would have signs at the front. And the signs would say, out of reverence, remove your hats and be quiet as you walk into this building. Because there had, you know, there's tour groups, there's lots of people coming through. And if you didn't, you would have somewhat irritated monks, usually, who would be in charge of taking care of that space, rushing up to you and shushing you so that you would be quiet and reverent in that place, that it was a place that demanded that. 
Okay, the one place that comes to mind is it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's called the Church of All Nations. And it's built over what they presume to be the rock where Jesus poured out this prayer before God where he says, not my will, but your will be done, and offers to go and to die on the cross. Um, and it's, it's a place for reverence and contemplation and thought. Now, I don't think we need to go that far in our church. We don't need greeters. Like, I don't need to take the greeters and say, part of your job here is to, I mean, really just lay into anyone who walks in here and is happy and talking. I mean, you just shut them up right away. That's not... I don't think what we need to do. But what we do need to do is we need to walk into this place with a sense of reverence, of the knowledge of the fact that we are coming together to worship. And not just to worship, but to worship God, to worship the real God. And not just to worship God, but to worship the God who is here with us as we walk into this building. Not that he's not with us out there, but that this is a special time in the week when we come together to worship God. Well, how do we usually walk into church? Let's think about this morning. Think about yourself this morning. You walk in kind of bleary-eyed and groggy. Is that pretty normal? You know? I get to sleep. I have to wake up early every other day for school. I don't want to wake up early for church. So I'm just going to kind of roll out of bed. I mean, some of us do this for school too, but I'm just going to roll, roll out of bed. Some of us, we walk in grumpy and irritated. We're still annoyed by the car ride over and the fact that mom and dad woke me up again at this time and yelled at me the whole morning to get ready and get dressed. And I can't wear that and I can't wear this. Some of us come into church late and hurried, right? Because it doesn't matter what time we show up, right, Elise? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, but it's true, though, right? It's true. Like, we say that Sunday school starts at 9. Does Sunday school ever start at 9? No. Never. Right? But, but school, for you guys, a lot of you, starts at, like, 7.20, 7.30. Does it always start at 7.20 or 7.30? It always does. And somehow you get there. But church, uh, not so much. I mean, it's very typical that we have more youth group members in the next service than we do in this service. Because a little more sleep, right? A little more sleep. Some of us come in critical and annoyed. I mean, guys, it's hilarious. Sometimes you walk in here and every single person in this room is giving off the don't talk to me vibe. Like, I am, like, don't even get close to me right now. I'm just annoyed. I'm tired. I'm, I, I don't want to talk to you. That's how we walk into the place where we're going to worship God. Or some of us come in just totally, entirely focused on ourselves. It's like, I can't wait to tell this person about what I did and how I'm feeling and what happened to me over the weekend without much thought to the fact that I'm actually not here to focus on me. I'm here to focus on God and, and giving myself to him and learning from him. So Jesus is here with us this morning. We said God is here in this room with us this morning. And what we need to think about maybe is the fact that he sees us. That it's not just your youth pastor who feels a little awkward when you're giving off the don't talk to me vibe, but that God is here to be worshipped and you're giving off the don't talk to me vibe or the I'm tired and annoyed vibe, or I don't want anyone to come near me vibe. So be honest with yourself. Think about it this morning. How did you come in this morning? Okay. Second, 
We need to come ready to listen. It says in the second half of verse 1, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Now, the sacrifice of fools, I mean, we're, we're basically talking about someone who does religious activities to pass off as acceptable, right? And, and they're just going through the motion. So in that day, the religious activity would have been sacrificing an animal and, and just doing it to do it. And that's how many of us come to church, right? We just come to church and we go through the motions. We go through the motions of the religious activities. You know when to sit down. You know when to stand up. You know that now's the time when we sing, so you move your mouth along with the words, and you might sing, you might not. Um, You don't want to stand out as someone who doesn't do the religious activity, but in your heart, you're just going through the motions. Here it's telling us it's far better to come ready to listen. So the question is, do we come ready to listen? And the implication is not just to listen, but to listen and obey. And what would you listen to when you went to the temple back in the Old Testament? You would listen to the Torah, the Bible, the law being read to you. So it's saying that it's far better for you to come into the temple and listen to God's word with the intention of hearing it and obeying it than it is to come and do religious things in the temple and and look very religious. So do you come ready to listen? Do you come even, would you even say that you come longing to listen? Longing for instruction. Do you come with a need that you're hoping that God's word will fill, knowing that it'll help you to walk in the way that you're supposed to walk? Do you listen to the words of the songs as we sing them? Do you listen to the scriptures that are being read? Do you listen to the creeds that we say sometimes in the main service and things that we read? Or do you come thinking about all the things that you just have to do this week? You're like, okay, I'm here. Isn't that enough? I mean, like some of us come in with that mentality, right? Like, at least I made it. Lay off me. Okay? I'm in the pew. I'm, I'm warm in the seat. Isn't that what you wanted? And the answer actually is no. That's not what we wanted. It actually would be better for you to have stayed home than to have come and filled the pew with an attitude that has absolutely no desire to listen or learn from God. It'd be better for you to stay home. Because it's offensive to God for you to come and just go through the motions. Um, Some of us just think about that football game that's coming afterwards, right? Like, how many more minutes till the Bears game? Some of us are just, like, we're contemplating, like, right around mid-sermon, we're like, man, what are we going to have for lunch today? I think I'm going to pitch Chipotle. I think we got a strong case for Chipotle today. Or maybe we could, maybe I could really get my parents to go up a notch and go to, like, Chili's or something. I don't know. And you start thinking in that direction. Like, some of you right now, that's all you can think about for the rest of the sermon because I put it into your mind. <laughs> Lateness plays into this, right? Like, your ability to listen is impacted by how, when you show up, right? So if you show up like halfway through the third song, you missed the gospel welcome and, and Sunday school and the first two songs, you know, you know, rush in, sit down, all right, sermon me and then I'm out of here, you know, let's do this. Are you really coming ready to listen? Is, are, are the songs just kind of fluff before we get to the real part of the service and then you can go... Or is there a purpose there? Is there, is there a purpose to actually being with God's people in the hallways before we actually walk in there? All right? 
Or how about your phone? What role does your phone play in your ability to listen? I know Nick's got his phone rules. Here comes the phone rules again, you know, like we're in the 21st century, Nick, grow up, whatever. (laughs) The reality is, like how many of us, I mean, I'll tell you one thing that's really hard to pass off, guys. I mean, you can pass off this. This can pass off as reading your Bible. I'm not saying you actually are, but it can. But I'll tell you one thing that typically doesn't. This. We see it a lot. I see it a lot. I'm guessing maybe you're just like, dude, check out this Bible verse. This one is good. Did you read this? But I'm guessing not. How does your phone play into your ability? Also this, this one. This move. Thumb. Nobody's reading the Bible that fast. (laughs) Nobody. Just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. How does your phone play into your ability to listen? Or how about who you sit next to? I am so happy I came to church to listen. And then we've got like a whole row of chatty Cathy's. Did you come to listen? Okay. Listening begins before the service begins. So we talked about reading your Bible beforehand. And one of the reasons we say you should read your Bible beforehand is because you're going to get a lot more out of the Bible if you have a chance to read it before you get here. Right? You need to prepare your heart and your mind. So read your, the passage. Read what we're going to be preaching on. Um, do you even, who knows what book we're in in the main service? Who doesn't know what book we're in in the main service? Okay. We're in Proverbs. Okay. So we could read Proverbs. You could read Ecclesiastes. You can also pray, not just praying to get you ready, but praying to get ready. Like, God, prepare my heart to get ready for tomorrow morning. Your word is going to be spoken, and I'm afraid that if I come in there bleary-eyed, grumpy, groggy, critical, which Lord knows we all can do that. So beforehand, we say, God, prepare my heart to be ready for what we're going to hear today so that I can listen and hear and obey and put it into action. Be aware of what you say, verses 2 and 3. He says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. What do you, when do you guys speak during the worship service? When does vibration come out of your vocal cords during church? When we read the Bible out loud, right? So we read the Bible out loud. When else? When we're singing, right? When else? Do we do any other talking during it? Uh, when you say good morning. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Depends on who the good morning. Like either crickets or like a couple people are like, good morning. Nice. Sometimes I'm that guy. It's always nice to hear the good morning back. Sometimes throws me off a little bit, honestly. I don't write into my notes, like, they're going to say it back to you. <laughs> oh, they did it. <laughs> right? Sometimes we do reading, right? Reading in response. We're like, Pastor Dan reads something and we, read some, we say it back. Sometimes when we bring in new members, right, they say something at the front and those who are members stand up and we say a few things. Okay? 
So there is some talking. What it's saying is beware of what you say during the times of worship. Be aware of what you're saying. Isn't it easy to do this um, without ever thinking about what we're saying? Like, for example, how many people, just without saying a word, think about this. What were the two songs that we sang a few minutes ago? Do you know the titles of the two songs that we sang? Okay, without, without speaking, okay. Do any of you, I mean, I'm not going to make you do it. Some of us might not know the titles of the songs that we sang. Maybe even more so in the, in the next service, we've got a couple more songs. Like, could we go home and say, I really enjoyed singing these four songs? Or were we just going through the motions so much that I really, I couldn't tell you which songs we sang? And this isn't just to make you feel condemned or critiqued. I am totally in the boat with you guys, okay? We're all in this boat, that we don't worship in the way that we ought to. So be aware of what you say. So sing while being aware of what you're saying. Next, do, you, do what you say you will do. Do what you say you will do, okay? So vows, verses four through seven. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. Um, do what you say you will do. In the Old Testament, there was this idea of vows, right? You guys, can you, you guys remember Hannah in the Old Testament? Do you remember a vow that she made? She vowed that if God would give her a son, that she would give him back to the Lord in, in service of the temple. And who was the son that she had? Samuel, that's right. And she did it, right? Now, was it a sin for her to make that vow? No, it wasn't a sin. That was a, that was a huge vow. You give me a son and I'll give him back to you? And she did it. We need to do what we say we're going to do. And I think this is something that starts with what we sing. You know, we sing and we say things in response to the preacher and we don't think at all about what we're saying. And then we walk out the door and we live completely opposite to what we just said. How many of you were at the night of worship in August? A couple of us. Do any of you remember the vow that you took on the night of worship? You took a vow. Okay, so at the night of worship... There was a leader from the National School Project who got up and he said, I want all of you to repeat after me. I promise to start a Christian club at my school. And everybody said it. I didn't. Now, I want you to know that when that happened, I was shocked. And I've actually already communicated with him and with you know, some of his leaders just to shepherd him along in this. But to make a group of middle school and high school kids promise before God that you're going to start a club at your school? Some of us said that, and we didn't think anything of it the second we walked out the door. And Ecclesiastes is saying, God remembers that vow. God remembers that you promised to do that. So how do we respond to that? Well, some of us, we simply need to say, God, forgive me. I have no intention of starting a club. 
there's a club already at my school or I just, I don't have time to start a club or I really don't want to be the one to start it. Please forgive me for being rash with my words and just promising something before a holy God without ever thinking about the fact as to whether or not I was actually going to do it. Does that make sense? So this isn't to like call you out and make you feel guilty and be like, there better be a club like in the next few you know, weeks here. But it's for us to call attention to the fact that we can just rashly say things before God and have no intention of doing them. And God cares. God hears and he cares and he remembers. And he sees you go on through your life without doing it. Now there's other ways that we vow before God. I don't know if you've ever been the type of person who's like, God, I promise I will never do this sin again. Or God, if you help me to get this job, I, I promise I will tithe 10% every week. Please, just help me to get this job. I need it. And how quick are we to just kind of forget about it? Or, you know, we tithe most the time. That's a big deal. This is really serious stuff. God takes our words seriously, and we need to, too. So we can make vows, but you better do it intending to carry it out. The bottom line to all of this is how do we do this? How do we keep from worshiping in a meaningless way? We can watch our step. We can come ready to listen. We can be aware of what we say. We can do what we say we'll do. But at the end of the day, what we really need is we need a proper view of God. What really is the reason behind every single one of these is a proper view of God. We see this in a couple places. First of all, he says, it's better to listen to offer the sacrifice of fools for they don't know that what they're doing is evil. That when you come and you just go through the motions, that it's actually wicked before God for you to do that. We don't realize that God is in heaven and you are on earth. That's a phrase that's supposed to call to mind the fact that you are so far removed from the holiness and power and sovereignty of God. That there is such a huge gap between you and God that you walk into a classroom with a little fear and reverence and you don't walk into church that way. It's shocking. It should be shocking that we walk into church differently, that we prepare so much less our hearts and our minds for church than we do for seventh grade math class. That should be shocking to us. He goes on to say in verse 6, why should God be angry or um, let not your mouth lead you into sin? When we vow vows and we don't do them, it's a sin. It's a sin for us to come and to, and to say we're going to do something and then not do it. So we need to know that God takes our worship seriously. Now I know we're going to go over for just a few minutes and that's if you have to go to children's ministry, that's okay. Um, but let me, let me keep going here. Have you guys ever been in the presence of someone who just like really loves music? Maybe they, they love the opera, they love uh, the, the classical music or something. And, and have you watched them as they listen to it? So I'm picturing someone who's listening to music and they close their eyes and that you can just see their body moving with the music. And they, they kind of rise a little bit at the crescendos, they sink at the decrescendos, they, they feel the music, right? Now, can you imagine if that person was the composer of that piece? Let's say they wrote a choir piece or they wrote a great orchestra piece and they're hearing it performed and they just, they move with, because it, it, it was actually, the music was inside them before they got it on the notes, you know, on the paper and now someone's performing it and they feel it and they move it and they go with it. 
And can you imagine if there were people who were in that choir or in that orchestra who were just kind of going through the motion? You know, it's kind of half-heartedly. Or if someone in the, you know, a couple people in the choir are like, like not really singing, you know, their part. Or maybe they're having a little conversation with the person next to them. Or maybe they've got their, you know, kind of checking the Facebook, you know, as they're singing their parts. How offensive would that be to carry yourself in that way before the composer of that piece? And yet that's what we do when we walk into church and God, who has created us to worship him, has us come into church and, and run in, you know, hurried and late and disheveled and, and just, you just go through the motions and, and kind of sing, but maybe not, not really listen or think, think about what was coming after church more than what was happening in church. Isn't that, I mean, do you feel that in your gut? That like, that's how God sees us when we are going through the motions. That's how God sees us. So I think God feels strongly about worship and that he wants us to feel strongly about our worship too. I think that's why it ends by saying, God is the one you must fear. That's the final note. Fear God, which is just another way of saying, worship like you mean it. When you come to worship, do it. How many of us here would say we're like, I'm batting a thousand on this one. Like, you know, Nick, sometimes you convict me, but today, nothing. Like, I'm doing this every Sunday. I hope so, but I wouldn't put myself in that category. And so when we get convicted, our response is never to come away from a message like today and say, oh man, God is angry at me. God hates me. You know, I should really, you know, it's just... The way we worship now is we repent. We say, God, we're not doing this. We're not doing a great job of this. And we ask him to help us. So let's do that now. And I would encourage you guys, take this message with you next week and the week after that and and maybe change the way that we walk into this building. And I think that means praying through the past, reading the passage and praying to have God prepare your heart. And we're about to walk into the next service. So let's do that. Let's prepare our hearts. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and your word. Thank you for the the conviction that the preacher wrote with in this passage. I hope that we have a a bigger view of God and of what it looks like for us to come and walk into church and to worship you and to do it reverently and in awe of you. Forgive us, Lord, for the many ways that we have come into church, the many, many times that I have come into church even to preach and I've not carried that reverence with me. And how offensive that is to you. Forgive us, Lord. Thank Jesus for the fact that he has worshipped perfectly with his whole life on our behalf so that we can be forgiven, even unto death, so that we can be forgiven. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, and help us now as we walk into the next service to do so with open ears and and an open mind, a mind that thinks as it speaks about what it says to worship you in a way that brings you glory and honor, the glory and honor that you are so perfectly due. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.